0: Hey, what's up? Welcome back. We're talking about when a program doesn't work, doesn't sell or doesn't scale. And the one mistake we're all making right now that's causing that type of failure. And a lot of the frustration that I see in the expert and thought leader space has one root cause. So I wanted to give you some common examples of failure. And I'll build up to kind of the big reveal, which is the root cause and some potential cures for this terrible, terrible ailment. Uh, And if you think you're wrong in launching something that eventually failed, just think again. You know, if you look at uh, programs like Seth Godin's Alt-MBA, Sam Ovens Consulting Accelerator, or Amy Porterfield's Courses That Convert, you'll notice that they're on, uh, you know, their fourth, their fifth, their sixth, you know, major iteration of their program. And it's not just because they're continuously improving, it's in a lot of cases, it's they just they felt like they didn't get it right the first time, you know, either it didn't work the way they wanted to, it didn't sell the way they wanted to, or it didn't scale the way they wanted to. So if those major players didn't get it right the first time with their flagship kind of programs, it shouldn't surprise us if we don't get everything right out of the gate the first time. So especially in the world of group coaching programs, online programs, online courses. uh, So I'm going to talk about from that perspective. So if I use the word maybe product, let's throw that in there just kind of a, as a catch-all uh, term, just in case. Uh, but really, what I'm talking about is some type of you know offer that's not one-on-one. It doesn't require more time from you to sell uh, to sell more. So group coaching programs, um, digital courses, digital programs, any kind of combination stuff, whether it's you know it's templates, it's tools, and then maybe a little bit of support, anything like that. So when we create something like that, we have this weird expectation that we should get it right straight out of the gate, which leads to the root cause that I'll get into later. And I know I did, I've done this before, I've been through this cycle. So I wanna give you some examples first. So the first example is going from individual client work directly to products, right, online products. And it turns out it's fairly easy to create something that works when you are involved in hand-holding, coaching, and just you're, you're, you've rolled up your sleeves and you've gotten involved with people. But does the DIY version get people the results they want, right? That's what I mean by work. Does it work? Does it get people the results that I want? Uh, it's also easy to create something that you feel like people need, but it's not the kind of thing they want to buy, or it doesn't scale because it costs so much to bring in the right buyers and you know, that at best, maybe you break even on the whole thing. All these failures become more likely when we go from individual client work straight into creating products, digital products. So the second example is offering a harvest product, what I would call a harvest product without building the foundation of demand to harvest. Now, I went deeper on this episode. uh, I think it was the last episode on paid content and Substack. So that'll give you a more in-depth overview. But I'll just give you a quick overview of the idea, which is that there's a big difference between a program or a product that helps you build demand versus a product that harvests demand that has to already exist out there, right? Things like paid subscriptions, paid premium content, even monthly memberships are all good examples of products that harvest demand that already exists. They don't help you create new demand. In other words, they work great for people who already have an audience who is demanding more from them than what they're already getting. Products like that are not so great for folks who are still in the phase of building their audience, building demand. They're in the the phase of like planting seeds. So I don't know if you remember a few years back uh, that like this really made an impact in the musician community i don't know how much it got outside of that but the band radiohead which has been big for a long time got big in the early 90s obviously they were they were conventionally signed to record labels and got big in that in that era but at one point uh i think it was around 2009 10 something like that they offered an album direct to fans And the model was, you know, pay what you think it's worth, right? It was groundbreaking. It was going to break the industry. Of course, my musical hero, Keith Green, did that back in 81, 1980, something like that. Uh, Basically offered his album on a pay whatever you think, you know, whatever you have and whatever you think is worth. So it's actually not that new, but it was groundbreaking for a band at that level to do it. So it was kind of this huge campaign, got a ton of press. You know, it made the rounds in musician circles as maybe this is the next big thing. It was really supposed to break the music industry. But the thing is, is that it hasn't. I don't even know if Radiohead themselves have done it again. Maybe they've done it once, but it didn't become the model for how they monetize music. And it didn't become the model for independent musicians, certainly. And here's the reason I think that is. It works really well with artists who have established audiences who are demanding more than they're already getting. Now, in case like a band like Radiohead, it took piles and piles of money from record labels and years of touring and radio play to build up that level of demand to where they could offer a product that just harvested that demand that was already out there. They'd already put in all that work, years and years and years and years of planting seeds and planting seeds and planting seeds, getting played on the radio, touring, opening for bigger bands, touring themselves where they're the big band, uh, going to different countries and touring, like all that stuff that's... In the musician world, it sounds fun, but at the bottom line, it's still a lot of travel. It's a lot of discomfort. It's a lot of planting seeds. Well, eventually, they were able to harvest those seeds with a product like that, like a pay-as-you-go or pay-what-you-think-it's-worth type of album. It was a digital product, essentially, that allowed people to pay whatever they felt it was worth. So it was a unique and new and interesting thing, and that's all fine, but it didn't become the model for how musicians made money. So that's example number two. Example number three is building something that is scalable to deliver, but it's not scalable to market and sell. And this is really tricky because with the rise of ad costs and the fact that it's more time consuming than ever just to reach people on social media organically, it's just not enough anymore to build something that is scalable to deliver. You have to actually bake in scalable marketing in order for a product to be truly scalable. So, I'm going to give you an example. Let's say you run a monthly membership and it's 19 bucks, but due to ad costs, it costs you 50 to 100 bucks or more to get a new member in the door. From running them an ad that they see on Facebook or Instagram to getting them to sign up for this monthly membership, it costs you over 50 bucks to get that to happen. And that's not unusual in a lot of uh, membership niches. So that membership has to be so amazing, amazing enough for them to stick around for three to six months, not really even to make a profit, but just to break even. Right, which is why most of the folks that are offering membership programs, you'll find out their real offer is almost always some high ticket offer on the back end, you know, coaching, events, masterminds, stuff like that. That's where their real profit is. And most of the other stuff they offer breaks even at best. So just because you built something that is scalable for you to deliver in terms of like you showing up and you delivering content one to many, uh, or that it just doesn't cost you anymore to serve a thousand buyers than it does to serve a hundred, like an online course that pretty much anyone can buy because it's always there. That sounds scalable, but it doesn't actually mean you have something scalable yet. It's only scalable if the marketing is scalable, if you can acquire new buyers at a sustainable cost. Now, those are the examples that I have for you, very common in the coaching space. But what's the root cause? This is what I think the root cause of all this is, skipping steps. In other words, trying to run before we've actually walked. So I want to explain what I mean by this. We want to skip steps like experimenting and testing or getting feedback from buyers, steps like really deeply thinking about the marketing and how scalable that is, or even just planting the seeds of demand before we try to offer something to harvest that demand. Those are all phases that, and steps that we attempt to skip. Right? It's all skipping steps. Now, skipping steps actually wouldn't be such a big deal if it didn't come with all the frustration and the self-flagellation basically that we add to it. We get frustrated the things aren't working because somehow we expect to get all these really hard things right straight out of the gate when we skip steps along the way. So we end up with these products or programs that either they don't work, they don't sell, or they don't scale. And that is the result. And along with that comes frustration. So I love the phrase, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. You know, and I've heard it in every context from Navy SEALs to music teachers. The idea is that when you do something slow, you do it right with good form and focus and intention. And when you do things right with good form and focus and intention, you actually get better results faster. So I think the lesson here uh, is that the more we try to skip steps, we actually raise our odds of failure and failure leads to frustration. So save yourself some of the frustration of being a coach or an expert trying to create products so that you can make more money, make more of an impact, all this stuff. Don't try to constantly skip steps. There's nothing wrong with thinking big. Absolutely think big. But be willing to start small and grow slow on the way to building something that becomes big. Don't try to get it big by skipping all those steps along the way that we talked about. Experimenting, testing, gathering feedback, thinking ahead to the marketing, planting the seeds of demand before you try to harvest. All those things are steps that are very commonly skipped with very negative consequences. And the result of that is often failure and frustration. So before you go down that path, think very carefully. And just along the way, notice, you know, if you're skipping steps, uh, think about getting results for people, making sure that it sells and making sure that it scales before you put all those expectations on yourself that it's going to scale. So if you have any questions about that, reach out. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode. I know some of those things, some of the concepts are maybe a little deep, um, uh, and I'm not sure that I really did a great job of communicating them. So if there is anything that I mentioned in this episode that just isn't 100% crystal clear, hit me back, shoot me an email. Or hit me up on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash getmicrofamous. Just shoot me a message there and just let me know how I can clarify things. So, I want to make sure that that's crystal clear and that I'm communicating those concepts in the best way possible. So, if, uh, if you want to have a podcast like this, if you want to reach people and convert beliefs and get them to take new actions and get new results, and you really care about impacting people with your message, uh, we'd love to talk to you. So, go to getmicrofamous.com. There's a, a video there about our service. You can learn more uh, and then you can gra- grab a call to uh, schedule a brainstorm call. So if you're the type of person that resonates more with Seth Godin than Gary Vee, and you want a way to impact people without being on social media all day, uh, I think podcasting is the greatest opportunity for that type of person, that type of expert uh, that has ever been created. It's literally changed my life. I think it can possibly change your life in the lives of anyone that hears your message. So make sure to get in touch with us to talk about that. Uh, and if there's anything I can help with, reach out and we'll talk to you soon.